Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. The clock is ticking, tick-tock. What's the time, Mr. Clark? Little Ham says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. This is Gary. Gary Hoffman. This is Gary, and he's very, very famous on Twitter. Shannon Farron. <laughs> it's terrible! She has beautiful eyes, and her hair smells like cinnamon! Mm-hmm. Gary and Shannon. I wouldn't be anywhere else at this hour, except on TV. I'm a match, she cares in. You know she gonna burn down everything. She an arsonist in a pastime. an extensive cleaning you just went through. It smells like uh, It smells like a diaper pail. Yep. Used, exactly so right. When my kids were young, we had this diaper pail, which was this this cylinder in the corner of their bedroom, and you'd put a dirty diaper in there, and you'd twist the top, and oh. it would basically wrap it into a, a fake dirty diaper sausage. Thank you. And then there'd be like 40 of them in that thing, and you'd every, like, at the end of every two or three no. days, you'd have to clean that thing no. out. Drop them into the... Nope. And the liner was always a scented one, and it smelled exactly like this. What happened over there that you had to do that? What? Babies happened. What do you mean, what happened? They poop. Uh, I, they meant, uh, I meant what hand... Oh, right here. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, just uh, just the cleaning. Well, Oh, right. I just spilled again. Look at that! There is a sticky thing on the floor. I don't want to talk about that, that again today. Rudy Giuliani says he was merely suggesting that having Trump sit down for an interview with the special counsel team would not accomplish much when he said truth isn't truth regarding the conflicting nature of witnesses' recollections. Talking your way out of truth isn't truth is fun to watch. Uh, Senate Democrats and liberal organizations today united in trying to derail Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination. We'll have all of that coming up for you throughout the show. And in Swamp Watch at 1230 when we talk all things Washington, big story locally is about Asia Argento, one of the big faces of the Me Too movement. Turns out that she settled a complaint followed filed by a young actor who said she sexually assaulted him when he was 17 and she was 37. Not my job, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break her down psychologically because I think that there's a lot we can learn from from this type of behavior. From oh, her. gosh. I, I, I'm really uncomfortable reading through the details of that. Well, and the thing is, the, the frustrating part about it is if you are a support supporter, I don't know what the right word is for hashtag Me Too movement. Like you believe in it and you believe that it's a, it's time for, for this type of behavior to end, right? For for men to be taking advantage of women, generally speaking, in, in these environments. Wait a minute. She this doesn't this doesn't undermine necessarily her allegations against Harvey Weinstein. But what it does to me is it proves that her idea of what a sexual relationship is is gone. I mean, it's... I feel like you're letting her off the hook. I feel like you're if this was a man, you would not be as forgiving. 
because you're you're saying basically Me- that she was made into this person by by her own assaults. I do think it's different, and I just I cannot let her off the hook. It just it's gross. Well, we'll do that at the bottom of the hour, uh, and more of course. Swamp Watch coming up at twelve thirty. We have a terror in the skies later this hour to tell you about. And in the one o'clock hour, Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us. We have a bunch to get to, especially with this Elon Musk stories that it, I mean stories about this guy. That have been rolling around for the last couple of days. Big day for Weld County prosecutors in Colorado. The man that we told you about last week who killed his wife and two daughters one week ago today is going to be in court. The DA's office has until 3.30 today to file formal charges against Chris Watts. He was arrested late last Wednesday for the investigation on first-degree murder and tampering with deceased body charges. He's been held without bond. They say he killed his pregnant wife and little daughters, four-year-old Bella and three-year-old Celeste. There are some weird things that happened over the course of the last few days in this case. I mean, it's already a weird case, and we told you when the bodies were found. Um, He finally admitted to police that he had done this, that he had killed them, and uh, disposed of their bodies. Shanann was in a shallow grave on this oil and gas company property, and then the two girls were found in oil and gas tanks, uh, and they'd been there for a few days, apparently because he wanted to hide the smell of the bodies. A court motion filed by defense attorneys late last week suggested the girls were possibly strangled. Now, the reason we believe that is because the defense was asking for DNA swabs of the necks of the girls. I don't understand why a defense attorney would make a request like that. Because let's assume that that he is the killer. That's damning evidence against us. Assuming that they could find DNA, that there that's would be the some thing. transfer. And I think that's exactly why they did it, because there's not going to be DNA on the necks. I, so, they I, can, so they can say okay. to the jury, we tried to get DNA, but right. it did not connect him to the, the murders. Right, but then the prosecutor stands up and says, despite the fact that this monster threw his babies into an oil vat for four days. I cannot get over if that is, in fact, the cause of death or manner of death. Strangulation. Strangulation. Looking at... Your babies, your little girls, who look, by the way, just like he does. I mean, spitting images of dad. That you could look at them and strangle them and watch the light go out of their eyes when you have watched them come into the world. I just, I I cannot wrap my head around that. And then so eerie to see him emotionless as he does that interview with the Denver television station just hours before he was arrested last week. There's also a scenario that that may play out here that uh, I'm assuming when we see these court documents, again, the you said the DA has until sometime this afternoon to file official charges, and then Chris is due in court tomorrow, I believe, at 10 o'clock Denver time, and he's expected to, get, uh, to be officially arraigned tomorrow. I, I wonder if we'll find out that he killed the girls first. Like when she came home, remember, she came home very early Monday morning, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning from a business trip. And then he left for work at 5 o'clock the next morning. And he talked about that they didn't get into an argument. He told investigators and he told the uh, TV stations that it was an emotional conversation. And I, I don't if- think so. I think if he killed the daughters and, and mom found out, he would have visible signs of mom tried to F him up. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She comes home from the business trip, and there's two dead girls in the house, her little girls. And she I mean, she, I would, she'd launch herself at him. You know, there would be scrapes all over his face from her nails. I, I really think he would have signs of a serious struggle on him. That was one of the other things that the, process, or the uh, defense wanted was to find um, defensive wounds on her, like uh, under her fingernails for DNA, et cetera, if she was scratching him. While there was, if there was some sort of a struggle. So it would show what? Manslaughter? Well, the thing is, <laughs> the, the, I don't know why they would ask that again. I mean, the, that's, that's, because that's, if that's he what killed be... her. If he killed her in the heat of the moment, then that's manslaughter. It's not first degree murder. Right. But I mean, the Maybe. judge the judge turned it down and said, listen, I'm not going to tell a coroner how to do their job. That right. coroner's got, that's covered. We right. got that. They're just saying these things in open court so that we can pontificate about them. All right. Probably. Well, now, when we come back, there's a couple of things we wanted to play for you. One of them is the friend who dropped off Shanann at home after she picked her up from the airport. That friend was really the last person we believe, other than Chris, obviously, to see Shanann alive. And her her lack of surprise when Chris was arrested for the murder. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. I like this song. Sorry, Stream of Consciousness Monday rolls on. <laughs> Whatever's on my mind Monday. <laughs> Uh, it's Friday. It's Friday. Nick fired. Yeah, it says Friday. Nick is fired on our show rundown. Is it because you're distracted by the lemur? Good God, what a rookie place is this? I don't even have a pen. I'll get you a pen. No, I take it back. I have a pen. It's in my pocket. I just keep it in my back pocket because uh, I don't keep a comb in there anymore. So it's Monday, August twentieth. Here we go. Bottom of this hour, we're going to get into the story about Asia Argento, one of the Harvey Weinstein accusers, one of the original accusers. Uh, Now we know, had to pay off her own accuser, a 17-year-old boy uh, who's now 22, but uh, he says that uh, she sexually assaulted him at a hotel uh, a few years back. So we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. We've been telling you about the story about Chris Watts. He is the guy who was accused of killing his pregnant wife and two young daughters in Colorado. And then hiding the bodies. The official uh, deadline is this afternoon for the DA's office to charge him with something. It will probably be with three counts of murder. And I understand that uh, the she wasn't pregnant enough. Is that the right word? Yeah. She hadn't been pregnant long enough for it, 15 to, weeks. For it to be considered a viable. viable so, so he won't be charged with the murder of the unborn child. But... Three counts of murder, likely, and, and any other sort of thing, including disposal of bodies or desecration of the corpse, whatever it is, have to be filed today. He's going to be due in court for an official arraignment tomorrow morning. Nicole Atkinson was a close friend of Shanann's, and she went on Good Morning America to talk about all of this. She went inside, turned around and waved at me and shut the door. And that was, of course, early Monday morning. This uh, Nicole was the one who gave her a ride home from the airport. She'd been on a business trip. She was going to get to hear the baby's heartbeat and see how he or she was doing. Last Monday, she had a doctor's appointment. Now, that's weird to me, that bite, if this woman's a close friend. Because we already knew that the baby was a boy. Well. Didn't we? 
Yes. So why did she say he or she? Is this one of those friends that the media just dug up and is calling a close friend, but isn't that close of a friend? Well, I mean, she's the one who gave her the ride home from the airport. Okay. So it's close enough to do that at 2 in the morning. The baby, I mean, they already named the baby Nico. Well, and I wonder if that was because we know that, or I wonder if we know that because of the husband, if Chris had said something about that. I don't know if it was a a widely known thing. Oh, 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 I see. Okay. Um, But she talks about... The relationship that had kind of gone sour uh, between Chris and Shanann. He just kept saying he didn't know where she was, that he, she was on a play date, but he couldn't give us the name of the friend. Sorry, that was Monday afternoon when uh, when she found out, when Nicole found out that her friend Shanann was missing. But the relationship part of it. Showed Chris leaving that morning and there was no uh, here movement. You go. This one. I didn't want to think that they weren't coming back. <laughs> She talked about this uh, trouble in the in the marriage. He wasn't being the loving Chris that he normally was. He wasn't touching or hugging or doing stuff like that. Did she suspect he might have been cheating? I think she entertained the idea, yes. Okay, no guarantee that he was or not because we haven't seen any evidence of that. <laughs> I don't know about this friend. I think she entertained <laughs> the idea. If if I think my husband's cheating on me and I'm I'm talking to my friend about it, I'm going to be very clear if I think he's cheating, right? You're not going to say, you know, I think she entertained the idea of it. Either she did or she didn't. Right. It sounds like the friend's speculating almost right here. Yeah, and it's a, it's almost as if she's responding to the reporter's questions in a subconsciously aggressive way in that she's allowing the reporter here. I don't remember what the guy's name is from ABC allowing him to sort of drive the speculation here. Yeah. Whereas if there was ever a conversation about that, it's a definitive yes or no. Right. Do, does she, do you think he was cheating? Either oh, Shanann, no either Shanann got on the phone with her friend or whatever and said, I think Chris is cheating on me. The X, Y, and Z has been weird. Right. Or she didn't. There's no in between. There should be no in between. If you're, if I think to your point, if you're a close enough friend. Yeah. The other thing about this case is that there is a pretty extensive social media trail that Shanann left. I mean, everybody's, she's active on social media and uh, posted a lot of stuff about her kids, et cetera. And one of the videos, she talks about how they met. Shanann talks about how she and Chris met and it is chilling as hell. I got a friend to friend request from Chris on Facebook and I was like oh what the heck I'm never gonna meet him except well one thing led to another and eight years later we have two kids we live in Colorado and he's the best thing that has ever happened to me now when people started a conversation in the office today (laughs) number one don't meet strangers on Facebook all right yeah number two People who advertise their love as being end-all, be-all, the best thing that ever happened to them um, publicly online, there's there's something weird about that. That's just my opinion. I would say that there is a percentage of that that is, an, that is totally fabricated. a lie. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say on your anniversary, listen, I'm lucky, especially if it's like a video like this. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky. I married the woman of my dreams. Uh, we have a great life together. Best friend. I can't wait to see what the next 50 years holds for us. Uh, as that, When you see something like that, there is a grand percentage of those that are totally fake, yeah. that are just trying to 
uh, salve over the wounds or ignore the problems or... Or just they want the appearance of a perfect yes, life. exactly. And they want people to be jealous of them and, and look over and be like, wow, I wish I had a marriage like that. Or, oh, I wish my family was like that. I don't know what's... It's a very human thing, I think. I don't think there's anything really wrong with it. I think it's a human thing to to want to be admired by your peers or your friends or whatever, but it just rubs me the wrong way. I would wonder what that, what the spouse thinks when they see something like that. Yeah. Because they know what's going on. They know the dirty socks are on the side of the bed and the underwear is hanging off the doorknob. Like they know that you're a slob. They know that you don't, (laughs) you don't do the things that you say you do and you're nowhere near as romantic and you don't listen and we never go on trips and you're always mad at the kids and your food is horrible. Whoa. What? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Your food is always horrible. I think that's the one that cut the most. All right, coming up next, we will stay on top of the story, by the way. You go out of your way. way to make food for your husband all the time. Like, every Monday you come in and you're like, what should I make for dinner? Um, yes. I, well, I enjoy cooking. Okay. All right, coming up next. Well, by the way, we're going to stay on top of this because the charges are going to be filed sometime during our show. And we should learn more information once those are filed. Uh, but next, the whole Asia, Asia Argento story. It is a gross one. And I don't think she gets a pass because she was abused. Do we have any of those wipes anymore? Why? You want to clean up the mess you just made? I'm just afraid that when we do this story, I'm going to feel dirty. Oh, yeah. I agree. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Truth isn't truth. (laughs) Rudy Giuliani saying that if Trump was to sit down for an interview with Bob Mueller's team, it wouldn't accomplish much because of the conflicting nature of witnesses' recollections. And that's what he meant. That's why we do this, though. I I know that he uh, added some context to that when he was talking to Chuck Todd on Meet the Press yesterday, but I I didn't feel like he did a whole lot of uh, good for himself. But we'll talk more about that when we get into Swamp Watch at 1230. Also, the uh, top of next hour, the latest in the Molly Tibbetts case out of Iowa, the, the family of Molly Tibbetts, her brothers, her father, they've all gone back to work or back to their normal daily lives and... I think there's there's definitely something to be said about getting these guys out of there in terms of what the investigators believe may have happened to Molly and how they're going to be able to solve this case. So we'll talk about that when we get into um, into the 11 o'clock hour. Big story this morning, big headline that was hard to avoid is all about Asia Argento, the Italian actress and director. If her name seems familiar, it's because she's been in the news for a couple of things recently. Number one, she was one of the first women to publicly accuse Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault. Big figure in the Me Too movement. Number two, Anthony Bourdain was her boyfriend. And we know he killed himself. Uh, when was that? Gosh, so June? June. So her name's been kind of on the surface of things. Well, the New York Times comes out with this bombshell story that she has her own accuser. 
Jimmy Bennett is his name. Young actor, rock musician, says that she sexually assaulted him in a hotel room in Marina Del Rey in 2013 when he was just 17 years old. She was 37. She allegedly paid him 380 grand to keep this quiet. And this is um, the timing of it is, you know, since she made her accusations against Harvey Weinstein, this payout comes a few months later. And I don't know if this was in the works before she came forward with her accusations against Harvey Weinstein. If it was a result of that, like somebody gets in Jimmy Bennett's ear and says, hey, by the way, that story you told me that one time, here's a woman who's going out saying she was abused by somebody. Now is an opportunity for you to make money off of this. I I have no idea. But. There's a couple of questions that come in that that I don't understand. First of all, if this was, like you said earlier, if this was a male actor, 37-year-old actor who had sexually assaulted a 17-year-old woman, 17-year-old girl. We'd be crying, lock him up. Would we also know who it was? There are very specific rules that a lot of news organizations have in terms of identifying the victims of sexual yeah, abuse. That's a very good point. And in this case, this is a document which was sent to the New York Times through encrypted email by an unidentified party. So we don't even know where the information came from, came from in the New York Times article. We do know that the information included a selfie dated May 9th, 2013, and it was the two of them lying in bed. As part of the agreement... According to the New York Times, Jimmy Bennett, who's now 22, gave the photograph and its copyright to Asia Argento so that he couldn't use it anymore for evil or whatever. This is a strange And if you go down the Instagram hole of Asia Argento, you find pictures from that very day of the two of them together with bizarre-ass captions. She said at one point that she was so excited to see him. Um, She said, waiting for my long-lost son, my love, Jimmy Bennett, in trepidation, hashtag Marina Del Rey, smoking cigarettes like there was no next week. In the second post that day, she shared a a selfie of herself with Jimmy Bennett, and wrote, happiest day of my life, reunion with Jimmy Bennett, XOX. Now, again, 10 years before this, they were in a movie together. And she played his mom. It is so creepy when you look at the trailer for that movie. I mean, it's first of all, it's a troubling. It is a dark movie. Very dark. She's like a drug-addicted prostitute who, who um, uses the boy... To get clients, like dresses him up as yeah. a girl to get clients, and then the boy ends up getting raped as part of the movie. Yeah, part I mean, of the it plot. is just, I, I couldn't even get through the trailer. Well, so so then they go into this whole thing. Uh, he ends up, he, by the way, can't drive in California because of an eye condition. He can't legally get a driver's license. So he has a, he has a family member take him to her hotel in Marina Del Rey that day. She tells the family member, whoever it was, mother, father, brother, whatever, uh, I just want to hang out with Jimmy alone. That's a, odd. Gives him a couple of pops and then starts shows him love notes that she'd written on the hotel stationery to this kid. And then lays him down on the bed, performs oral sex on him. They end up having intercourse. He has the nickname in Hollywood, Jimmy Two Takes, because uh, he barely flubs his lines. Uh, he says that that hotel room encounter precipitated a spiral of emotional problems. 
The fallout from the sexual battery was so traumatic that it hindered his work and income, threatened his mental health, that he really struggled with it. He was disgusted by it. Okay. When now, we... you well, yeah, because you were making excuses for her this No, morning. no, no, not excuses. I, I was, this is not an excuse, but maybe an explanation. Because this is, by the way, it's still. I don't think she gets an explanation. This is a kid that she knew that she did that movie with when he was seven years old. She watched him grow up, and at 17, she gives him alcohol and forces herself on him. Well, again, not an excuse, but an explanation. How does somebody who's 37 years old have the mentality that this would be an okay thing? How do you, how do you like how, what breaks in you early on to believe that this is an okay encounter? And what I was saying is how many times have we seen stories of abusers who they themselves were abused at a young age? So if I were to guess, and again, I'm writing it, let's say I'm writing a term paper on all of this, uh, on her, she was abused she was victimized to some degree i have no idea the magnitude when she was young so what what normal uh, i can't use that word can i what most everybody else would put up in terms of walls around sexual relationships and behavior she never had or they were the ideas of what is appropriate were so far beyond what you and i would consider appropriate as he was driven home from marina del rey Back to Orange County, where he was from, he began to feel extremely confused, mortified, and disgusted. They had a mentor relationship. She was a mother figure to him. How twisted are you? Yeah, see... I can't explain it away. I I don't care what was in her past. A couple things. It seems like she was grooming this kid from when he was, what, seven? That's disgusting. I'm telling you... (laughs) It does not change her allegations against Harvey Weinstein. But isn't it possible that she was putting herself in in situations that she was going to have a hard time getting out of? The relationship with Harvey Weinstein, the sexual relationship with Harvey Weinstein, continued after she said uh, he had raped her. So... She's already confused about what a sexual relationship is and should be. So, again, it doesn't change her allegations against Harvey Weinstein. And it it doesn't make me think any better of Harvey Weinstein at all. But at least it adds some amount of explanation to what goes on. Or, or it, it, it allows for some explanation that she doesn't have a complete grasp on what a relationship like that is supposed to be. She is one of those, uh, by the way... A little hug your daughter's story here. Uh, she's one of those who said in the past, I never acted out of ambition. That's not, not why I went into acting. I did it to gain my father's attention. It took a long time for him to notice me, she said at one point. You want to go? You want to go to feel like the, to the high school? So I go okay. Yeah. All right. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, 
In the uh, 12 o'clock hour, 12.30, we do Swamp Watch every day. Talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., in the political world. We're going to be uh, getting an update on the Paul Manafort tax and bank fraud trial. The deliberations are now in their third day. Haven't seen anything today yet about uh, questions for the judge. There were some on Friday, uh, and they were asking about what reasonable doubt means. So. That's not good. No. Uh, that's that's a real hard one to be gray about. You know, <laughs> how do you not understand what reasonable doubt is? Some right. juries, man. It's terrifying. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Go to our Instagram page at Gary and Shannon because we got a show lemur. We got a lemur for the show. We need to name it. Uh, and we've decided against Zabumafu for a couple of reasons. Well, for one reason, nobody can spell it, and I can't say it. And Shannon can't say Zabumafu. Also, how did we? Um, like, why are all entries that I saw male? Right, oh. the lemur could be a, a, a female or. A, a, we identify or whatever, or whatever a Zabumafu is. We don't know how he or she or they the lemur identi- the lemur. We don't know how the lemur identifies. Right. So we we were hoping for something a little bit uh, down the middle of the road. Oh well, Wait. look at us, progressive. <laughs> yeah, that's what we are. Hey, look, it's time for terror in the sky. Flight two zero nine, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Speaking of snakes on a plane, 24-year-old guy got arrested for uh, for peeing on another a, passenger. Are you making a genitals joke? Yes, I am. Got you. Thanks for pointing that out. Snakes on a plane. 24-year-old guy flying from Chicago to Tokyo um, on all Nippon Airways gets up, goes back a couple of rows, and just proceeds to pee all over a 50-year-old man. I can see how this could happen. In fact, I have a story to go along with it. I thought we were not making uh, excuses today. Here is the reason that this happened. I have to go back to Chico State circa 2000 for this story. (laughs) <laughs> um, I lived in a house with five girls. Uh, okay. There were five of us. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Anyway, a uh, bunch of people had stayed over one night in the on the couches and stuff in the family room. I had the, the room closest to the family room. And it's in the morning, and I hear – I mean, it's in the middle of the night, early, early morning, and I hear it's water or something. And – one of the guys had slept walk, had to go to the bathroom and slept walk and thought that the wall that I share, the, the wall that my room shared with the family room was the toilet. And he's peeing. He was just standing there peeing, dead asleep, peeing on the wall, thought that that was the bathroom. Okay, but you're in an airplane. Right. Not a dark environment. But he was, Not, well, it he may was, have been. He I... could have been sleepwalking and had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is I don't think that this was intentional. That's the case I would I would make for him. If right. I was his attorney. But still, when you get off the airplane in Tokyo and the police arrest you but for it's just assault. Sleep, it's just simple sleepwalking. Okay. Explain that to the judge. I think I, the judge the way, would understand. There is, no, there is no Japanese translation for sleepwalking. Did you know that? Really? I just made that. Oh, I didn't know you were fluent in Japanese. We've done these stories before also. A 35-year-old guy convicted of sexual abuse on board an aircraft 
Um, he is going to be sentenced in December and could potentially face life in prison. Good. He was accused of undressing, uh, undressing and fondling a passenger on Spirit Airlines while she was asleep. Oh, let me throw this in there as well. Um, he was sitting next to his wife. His wife wasn't the one that he was molesting, by the way. It was a 22-year-old woman who was falling asleep, leaning against the window. She woke up to a hand down her pants and noticed that her pants and her shirt were unbuttoned. And the passenger next to her was fondling her. Prabhu Ramamurthy. Whatever. That is his name. Sentenced to life in prison to spell his name over and over again. He's going to have to write that name on a chalkboard a million times. It's a tough name. Um, We also told you that story about uh, TSA agents and the idea that the Quiet Skies program has these TSA agents following people, right? And what they'll do is they'll keep an eye on you. It's a little bit of behavior profiling. It's a little bit of profile profiling. I mean, they're trying to keep an eye on people who may cause problems on flights. Love it. And the TSA air marshals say they don't follow ordinary passengers. The ordinary passengers who feel like they've been followed by the TSA say that's a lie. 39-year-old social media manager for an arts and crafts company. That's a job? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Good God. It's 2018. Uh, she said, we have a lemur that doesn't know what gender he is, and a social media manager for arts and crafts is happening. Uh, she says she had her body scanned, searched, her padded, her belongings swabbed, and sent through an x-ray machine. By the way, if you fly more than four times in your life, those things are going to happen to you. Yeah, I, I'm... I have zero problems with the TSA following me around the airport. I've seen you get searched by TSA, and you actually lean into it a little bit right. more aggressively. You know? You, while you're there. Makes me feel like I still got it a little bit, you know? <laughs> you leaned into an ass grab at a news and bruise. Totally different. No. Be- that was not a person in uniform. Whatever weird fetish you might have. (laughs) All right. Coming up next, the Molly Tibbetts case. I woke up at uh, like 3.30 this morning, and the first thought was, where the hell is Molly Tibbetts? Really? Yeah. I don't know why. It was just top of mind. And I said, what's going on with that investigation? Well, we've got an update for you when we come back. Gary and Shanna will continue right after this. When it comes to you, no, I ain't got no patience. Something about you, girl, I just... Shannon, KFI AM 640, staying on top of what's going on in Weld County, Colorado. Prosecutors today expected to formally charge Chris Watts with the murder of his pregnant wife and two little girls. We'll stay on top of that for you. Also, big story locally that uh, we keep hearing about Asia Argento, one of the Me Too leaders uh, against Harvey Weinstein. Turns out she has her own accuser. She assaulted a boy when he was 17 years old. This was a young actor who she had worked with when she played his mother when he was seven. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. Uh, John Brennan, also the former CIA director, had threatened to sue the president over the revocation of his security clearance. And the president today in a tweet said... Bring it on, because once you do that, we have uh, access to all of your records as well. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. We'll talk more about that in Swamp Watch at 1230. 
Well, we've told you multiple times about the case of Molly Tibbetts. She is a a 20-year-old sophomore at the University of Iowa, and she disappeared last month. In fact, just uh, a month ago yesterday. July 18th was the last time she was seen. She was jogging in the little farming town of Brooklyn, Iowa, about 1,500 people. And by the way, almost a third of them have been interviewed by police. And which, is was, one of the, which is one of the things that makes this story so hard to understand. When it's such a small town like that and one of those 1,500 people goes missing, you would think that somebody would have seen something but maybe it's just so rural that the properties are far apart. So maybe you wouldn't see something. I think it's some of that. I think there's also people in the in the community that even in a place like you got 1,500 people, they're going to have questions about that guy or that family that's always kept to themselves over there or that guy who lives alone and has never really been a part of the community. Boo Radley. Exactly. Yeah. There's going to be somebody who's got that sort of uh, catcher in the rye mentality about them. We're so literary today. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was reminded me I was reading Dostoevsky over the weekend. Stop it. So if this disappearance is completely out of character for her, for her, there are people who believe that she's still alive. That she didn't just disappear. She wasn't trying to get away from somebody. She wasn't running away from the boyfriend or anything like that. That someone took her and is keeping her alive. Now, the way this has been handled by the Division of Criminal Investigations in Iowa, the FBI, the Powhatan County Sheriff's Office, all of them, is they've been very close to the vest in terms of any information that they've given out. We know that there were certain areas that they were searching because last week they put up a website and said there are five spots that we are most interested in. If you if you were in the area of those five locations the night of July 18th or the early morning of July 19th, we want to know whatever you saw. Yeah, even, it, if, even it's, if it's completely mundane. You may think it's nothing. Right, but it could be something. And we talked about this when they did put up that website, findingmolly.iowa.gov, and how strange that was for a government to f- put up a, a website for one missing person. We hadn't seen that. Most of that website, by the way, put people on notice to kind of take a, into account the behavior of people that they know in their families, their friends, their their business circles, and to check out if there's been any behavioral changes, like from somebody who has kidnapped and murdered a girl, um, changing normal routines, changing sleep patterns, an unexpected lack of contact on July 18th or 19th, unexplained injuries. Uh, maybe if somebody you knew got rid of a car recently or unexpectedly took it to get detailed. Yeah, and to not look beyond, not to look to strangers as the ones who are responsible for this necessarily. Right. That it could be somebody much closer to you that you don't want to be involved, but that they are involved. Now, we've said before, she's got a boyfriend. The boyfriend has a brother. The place that she was staying apparently belongs to the brothers. Um, and while they have been described as not suspects, that doesn't necessarily mean one thing or the other for, for investigators. I mean, they'll keep everybody sort of on on the list of potential suspects in this case because they know that closing doors too early could be bad news. I mean, if Molly is still alive, they want to make sure that they keep this thing going. Now, I have a question. Yeah. 
Last week when they came out and took that odd step of saying we think that she's still alive or that's a real possibility, something to that effect, do you think that that was uh, on purpose to to get somebody off their game or or what when you think about the boyfriend – Assuming that we, she's, who we've long suspected, but assuming that she is dead. Yeah. Well, it could play that way. Like if you were an investigator and you say it, you wanted to give the impression that you're going down the wrong route. Yeah. To make someone else feel more comfortable and allow them to sort of slip up in their in their comfort that they that they were not a suspect. I could see that. I don't. I don't know how. How far these investigators would go to do that. Because yeah. their their point, their goal isn't to propagate a bunch of false information about this case necessarily, True. unless they believe that that's really the way they're going to find her. They wouldn't put that out there just to get the boyfriend. I don't uh, think so. To behave differently. Okay. But that being said, they did something else this weekend. They did something that I didn't expect them to do. They told Molly's family, she's got her dad who flew into Iowa from here in California and a couple of brothers who I understand are also uh, University of Iowa students, I think, um, that they should go home. They should get on with their lives. And there's a couple of things. I want to just kick something. What was that? Oh, it's a piece of wood because, you know, that's what we need in the radio studio is a big piece of plywood. Uh, anyway, um, we brought a lemur into the I, studio that's a good today. Point. We so, have random stuff yeah. in here. So they told the family, get back to your normal life. And on the one hand, it's at least a mental health thing. Like you can't continue to do this over and over and over again. But how do you do day. that as a parent? There's no way you as a father would leave. I mean, I'm not judging him at all. Absolutely not. But if if an investigator told you, you know what, why don't you go ahead and go back to your life? That it, you can't turn that off. I have a theory. I'll tell you about it when we come back. Ooh, I love a theory. And words from the dad himself, which go into my theory. Hot takes on a Monday. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Now I'm gone, now I'm gone, now I'm gone. There's, I don't think there's any other sporting event that has a greater disparity between the largest and smallest athletes than the Little League World Series. There's a kid for uh, for Puerto Rico who's up right now who is, uh, or is that Panama? Panama. I think that's Panama. Yeah. He is, uh, he's four foot eight. He weighs 75 pounds. Side note off of that, did you see the video of... Uh, I think the Spanish pitcher sitting there with uh, Noah Syndergaard yesterday talking about pitch grips. Yes. Yeah. That was like the coolest thing to Uh, see. I don't know what he was saying because it was Spanish. But like they. Did you not take Spanish? Not Spain Spanish. Wow. There's only one conjugation that's different in that. It was a bad defense. Right. It was really a bad defense. (laughs) Uh, The Des Moines Register had an account of what the Tibbets were dealing with upon the news uh, that their daughter was missing. And I found it to be fascinating. Um, Rob Tibbets is speeding past farm fields 
He has just packed four days of clothes, uh, flown to Iowa from California, and he's speeding in his car past these fields. He's hurrying to hand out the flyers with his daughter's face on them. He was going more than 80, and he was pulled over. As the Des Moines Register says, he, he cursed quietly and pulls over. A state trooper approaches the passenger side and peeks in the window. And he sees Tibbet's wife, Casey, and what's on her lap, which is just stacks of posters with Molly's face on them. Rob Tibbetts pulls out his license. He says he's sorry and says they're in a rush to distribute the flyers. And the trooper says, that's for Molly. And Rob Tibbetts says, yeah, I'm her father. This is her stepmother. And that's her boyfriend. Trooper looks at the ground and he says, I'm so sorry. He ends up running the license anyway, just to be safe, by the way. Yeah. He goes to his car. They they take the opportunity, actually. The stepmom takes the opportunity to jump out of the car and go to the store that they had just been pulled over in front of and hand out some more flyers with Molly's picture on them. Now, the thing about this is that Rob, like you said, only packed for four days. There's, there's I'm assuming there's a belief that it's a case that would be closed quickly, that when you find out that your 20-year-old daughter is missing, maybe she went off with somebody or maybe she just didn't tell anybody where she was going, there's no expectation that you're going to be end up, that you're going to end up living in a place like Iowa for a month looking for your daughter. And this weekend sort of brought that to a close. And he talked to a TV station in Cedar Rapids, KCRG, and said that this was an opportunity for him to sort of take a break. Law enforcement came to him and said, maybe it's time you go back home. I'm doing this very reluctantly. I'm being sort of told I need to do this. And we called it a sort of a halftime. Now, he's referring to this being a, a break in the amount of energy and effort that he has been expending for the last several weeks looking for his daughter. Not only has he been handing out flyers, he's been doing interviews he's been doing interviews with police he's been on the phone he's been on television i mean this guy has been running nonstop, all under the guise of looking for his daughter and i I don't mean it to sound like he's not actually doing it but that's the motivation behind it and that's got to be taxing but he has a belief that she will be back we'll still find molly and bring her home um and I still feel that way. We all still feel that way. That's why it's difficult for me to leave, knowing that um, there's a good chance that we're going to bring her home, and I want to be there when she arrives. Now, what I found interesting is they suggested that he go home. And like we were saying about the way that law enforcement can give out information in a case like this, it's not necessarily for the consumption of the general public. Because in all honesty, our days are going to go on whether or not Molly Tibbetts is found alive or dead. That, And unfortunately, that's the case. How many thousands of people go missing every year, we don't know about them. So the information, whether it's correct, incorrect, half true, half not true, it doesn't impact our daily lives. Their goal is to find Molly Tibbetts. I am not judging again, but I don't know as a parent, if your daughter goes missing in Iowa, how you go back to California. I just don't. I Physically, as a parent, I just don't know how you would be able to do that. And I'm not a parent, but well, I would imagine that my ass would not be leaving Iowa until there was a resolution. Yeah, unless 
Unless, unless what? the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation comes to you and says, Mr. Tibbetts, we know that this is a very difficult thing. I don't thing care. We're I punch you, you in the do. throat and I say, you don't tell me what you get to tell me to do. But the only way we're going to find Molly is no. if we decrease. That if I go back to California? If we decrease the pressure on the investigation because mm. we need someone to trip up. And we have a pretty good idea of eight, five, three people that we think may be suspects in this case. We need to make them feel comfortable that we're not close to them when, in fact, we are sniffing down the back. I don't know how dad being in California is able to convey that more than if he was there. But anyway, um, how's the town doing? Well, not great. Town of 1500 and you can't go anywhere without seeing Molly's face plastered everywhere on every surface. And people who live there say that the home that their hometown has been on edge. uh, Parents are not letting their children play outside. Um, Parents are making kids download location-sharing apps on their phones. People saying it does not feel like Brooklyn. It's not like home. Uh, People are actually locking their doors. Paranoid as they're walking in the downtown area because they don't know who they're walking next to. That the not knowing is the hardest part. For some of her closest friends, just living makes them feel Guilty. Uh, Kaylee is one of them. She talks to her other friends through a group message, group text message, which also includes Molly's number, by the way. And she says, I feel guilty doing everything, just like taking a shower, you know, wondering if Molly can do the same wherever she is. She says it just feels wrong. I can't imagine what that's like uh, in terms of the survivor's guilt, even though they weren't they didn't even experience the same trauma. You know, you've you've heard it in people who are in a plane crash, for example, and some people die and some don't. Yeah. But they weren't even caught up in the same trauma that Molly was uh, if there was some trauma involved. But it's just a bizarre it's it's a mentality that you have to deal with. Even though your friend is not even going to be around, you you have no idea where she's going to be. But like like we said earlier, they're looking for someone who is going to have some sort of a change in behavior. They change their normal routines or their sleep patterns. And that's why they're asking so specifically about July 18th and 19th when Molly was last seen. Did somebody, did they have an unexplained disappearance for a few hours? Is it is it usual for someone to go out and not contact you and tell you where they're going to be? All of it very weird. Remember the father from Irvine that was shot and killed in Malibu uh, at the state park there, the the shots that rang out in the middle of the night? Another case where the details are scant. We'll tell you what investigators are saying about that case when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. President Trump going after Bob Mueller again for investigating whether Trump's campaign worked with Russia to sway the election. President is uh, talking Watergate terms, I guess you could say, saying that his White House counsel isn't a rat like the White House attorney for Nixon. Today, he tweeted that Mueller's team is looking for trouble and enjoying ruining people's lives. (laughs) Uh, Day three of the Manafort trial deliberations uh, for the bank and tax fraud charges. He could spend a lot of time in prison, but uh, we haven't heard any word on the the progress that they have been making, if any. 
in terms of their deliberations. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Last night, there was a uh, community meeting at uh, King Gillette Ranch, an auditorium there, because the shooting in Malibu Creek, Creek State Park, I should say shootings, although there was one murder, and a sheriff's department commander has said that this mysterious shooting of that father from Irvine at Malibu Creek State Park a couple months ago was not believed to be gang-related, but that they are still investigating whatever happened. They have s- determined neither a um, suspect or a motive. A truly a head-scratcher. And in this auditorium full of people from the area told these people that they need help from tipsters in order to answer these questions. Uh, Lieutenant James Royal is a supervising detective at the Sheriff's Lost Hills Station, says he wants anyone who sees something out of the ordinary in the area to call homicide investigators, saying, I strongly encourage you to trust your instinct. If you see something that doesn't feel right, if you've got that gut feeling, please trust it. Yeah, and this is similar, I think, in in terms of that call for uh, for finding in yourself some recollection of just something that might be odd or out of place that you might think is completely minor, but to investigators may be the key that breaks this case open. Similar to what we saw with Iowa. I mean, they're asking people to just, you may think it's a normal thing, but if there's anything that that is in your memory that stands out as being slightly abnormal, it may be the key to making sure that, or it may be the key to this case. And it is always harder and harder for people to refresh their recollections when the days go by and they go by. You know, if I asked you what you were doing June 22nd, you probably wouldn't know. Uh, you could go to your calendar and your phone or something and, and pull that up. Oh, I had a dentist appointment and... Uh, you're not going to really remember any odd things that happened that day. So it's really a race against time here because it was June 22nd that Tristan Bodet was killed. It was the early morning of June 22nd, sleeping in a tent at the campground. He died from a single gunshot wound to the head. Sheriff's investigators placed a security hold on any more information about his death. Now, because... If I'm living in this area and this is my backyard, sort of this is where I my playground, I would want to know something like, was he targeted? Did the gunshot come from within the tent? Did someone get in there and target him specifically? Or was this a random shot from way over there, somebody either just aiming at a tent or not even necessarily aiming at a tent, just an accidental shooting where it hits this guy in the head by just by sheer chance? A real heartbreaker. Tristan was a pharmaceutical company worker from Irvine. He was camping with his two young daughters, and both of the girls were inside the tent with him when he was shot. Now, there's some weird things that go into this that they told us about last night at this. Um, the Malibu Lost Hills Station detectives that came forward said that there are some instances, other instances of shootings and gunshots that had been reported. Six other reports of shootings or calls about possible gunfire near the park going back two years. Yeah, so it goes back. November 2016 was the first one that sort of in this. or November, Yeah, November 2016, a guy camping in a hammock was shot in the arm. A few days later, someone shot once at a vehicle that was parked at a campground. Somebody inside was sleeping, but they weren't hurt. Another one was shot. Another vehicle was shot a couple of months later. Six months pass. A vehicle traveling on Malibu Canyon Road was shot once again. Again, nobody was injured. Now, there were a couple of bodies also 
Officials said some rumors of Baudet's death being at the hands of gang members may have been spurred by the discovery of a couple of more bodies nearby in recent months. Like in May, middle of May, the body of an unidentified man found on Las Virginis Road near the Hindu temple there in Malibu. And then another one in the middle of July, towards the end of July, a body found in the 24,000 block of Payuma Road. Both of those deaths appeared to be gang-related. Yeah, because, you know, the gangs in Malibu are ridiculous. But neither could be linked. So, it is odd, isn't it? Well, as far gang as gang activity ground, on Las Virginas, well, the, the dumping ground—it's a perfect sense. dumping ground, right? So that that part so of it, although they were not killed there, probably moved. Those are cases of moving the body or taking them out to kill them out there in the middle of nowhere. That would also explain some of the calls for gunshots, where right they're heard, but there's no damage that's found. You take somebody out in the middle of the hills and you shoot them and you leave them on the side of the road, they're never going to be found. Or in this case, they're going to be found days, if not a couple of weeks later. So they do say they're working and moving in the direction of some certain theories that do not include a gang-style homicide. One of the things that we get inundated with every time we talk about the Tristan Baudet death is the fact that he was working for pharmaceutical companies. And that there's something, some connection to do with big pharma it's a vaccine and vaccines thing. and yeah. all of that sort of thing. And uh, they haven't said anything about that, if that's the the path that they're going down. But they're, they do say that this is not a gang-related thing. And they are not shutting down the park yet. But, man, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, get a couple more of these calls of, you know, gunshots that they end up closing the whole thing for a while. I wouldn't be going up there until this is solved. I wouldn't either. And that's what people, you know, people have been hiking there for decades, say that they don't feel safe there anymore. Yeah. Um, Speaking of bodies, a couple of bodies turned up locally. Yeah, and they're looking for another woman as well up in the Stevenson Ranch area. It's crazy. What's going on? Why Why do Mondays suck so bad like this? We're still looking for a name for our lemur. That's a better, that's a much better story. On Instagram at Gary and Shannon, and uh, JQ just wrote in saying, I just want to address what Blake said about why only boys' names. Why are we only getting boys' names? Yeah. And he says, you you guys did write asking what you should name him. So that is true. Oh, we we so did then, say. So then we assigned him a gender. We assigned Shannon limited to boys' names. We assigned him a gender. And you know what? I feel bad about that. It's too late now. Is it? Maybe we should just ask because you could give it a, any name you want, male, female. Nick in here, uh, Nick had the name idea of Kelsey because he says that can kind of go both ways a little bit. No, we're not doing that. Oh, it's much more fun if you do it with a Scottish accent, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was very adamant. Yes, mm-hmm. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, he's in the news today, and it's all about what he wanted to know went down between Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. He asked the cigar question? He wanted to. A list of proposed questions. Oh, oh, jeez. 
I bet you there's ne- there was not one moment in his career in law school or clerking for anybody where he thought that cigar question would ever come up. There is not one thing that I wish to leave in the 90s more <laughs> than the cigar question. Uh, Rudy Giuliani is uh, trending today as well. He's trying to clarify his truth isn't truth comment on Meet the Press. We're going to play part of that for you. In the 12.30 segment, we get into Swamp Watch so you can make your own decision about it. And uh, day three, negotiations, sorry, deliberations still uh, going on in the Paul Manafort trial. Well, you may not be far off. There probably are negotiations going on in that jury room. My wife has jury duty next week. Oh, really? She's. I don't think she's ever had jury duty. She has jury duty. And it was one of those things that uh, you get in the mail that says, this is your last notice, and if you don't reply to this one, we're coming for you. <laughs> I, uh, I, the last time I was called for a jury, it was uh, when I was on the John and Ken show, and I was so happy because I was ready and willing to say I was on the John and Ken show. Right. And <laughs> you, they do nothing but screw with You had that card Yeah, I was ready. You know what? And if I get called for jury duty tomorrow, yeah. I will go and I will say, uh, I am on the John and Ken show. <laughs> Uh, We've been following a couple of weird stories um, that have sort of dominated some local headlines lately. One of them is the L.A. County fire captain who went missing. And unfortunately, they said that they have found a body over the weekend that they believe is that of uh, L.A. County fire captain um, Wayne Stewart Hable. Discovered about six o'clock Saturday night, Hot Springs Canyon Trail in Montecito. They had announced that they found his vehicle, a 2008 uh, big SUV, Chrysler Aspen SUV, that had an L.A. County Fire Department sticker on the back window. They found that along that trail on Friday, Friday afternoon, and started looking for him immediately, but couldn't find him before dark. And then they did find a body on Saturday afternoon. Listen to this. The Firefighters Union, uh, local 1014 chapter, put out a statement saying it's with great sorrow and a heavy heart we come together again to stand with a brother's family, mourn the loss of one of our own. And then it went on to say, we cannot afford to remain silent any longer. Don't let depression live in the shadows. Each day our members battle PT, uh, post-traumatic stress injuries and cumulative stress injuries. And we need to bring these issues into the light to ensure people get the help they need. If you or someone you know needs help, please seek out the resources and get help. Don't be afraid to talk to someone. Take care of each other. Yeah, one of the guys who used to work with uh, with Hable said that his wife said at some point that he was suffering from some amount of depression. There was another story. Now, the reason that this was interesting is because he said he was going to a gym. The last he was seen was when he left his house and said he was going to the gym in Stevenson Ranch. And then on another uh, thing happened on Saturday morning where they found a body in Stevenson Ranch. And the conclusion I jumped to was that that was probably him, even though the car was found a long ways away. It turns out that they haven't identified the person uh, whose body was found in the woods near Stevenson Ranch, near the Southern Oaks neighborhood, because of the uh, state of decomposition. There's also a couple of missing people in that area, and there's a woman who went missing in Stevenson Ranch this week. What's going on up there? I have no idea. Uh, but she is a 48-year-old woman, 5 feet tall, 125 pounds. Um, Jennifer her, Mariano. Yes, yeah, and according to some uh, the investigators, the Sheriff's Department Information Bureau, they said that she's suffering from depression and lupus, uh, maybe driving a white Lexus, late, late model Lexus. But uh, at this point, no idea where she is.
So. Are we going to have any uh, good news on this on this show today? Uh, well, I we, mean, we did have terror in the skies with right. the urination. That was, I guess, as fun as it's gotten. Let's see. We could talk about uh, we could talk about those golf stories that are good. Oh, those are good golf stories. I love uh, a feisty golfer, a, a brawl on the green. I've I've seen this happen before. N- never to the point where someone got their finger bit off. But uh, I want to say that I was in Sacramento at, uh, oh, man, I can't remember the name of that place. Uh, but my brothers-in-law and I and my dad went on Father's Day one time. The four of us went golfing and saw a fight break out on the golf course. On Father's Day, I want to say 1996 or so, I assaulted my brother with a golf club on the golf course in Petaluma. The country club? I'm not sure. Or the one out by the airport? Was it flat or was it hilly? It was pretty flat. <laughs> okay, then it was out by the airport. So, like his nose after the strike. I was going to say. But, uh, I'm very competitive. Was it a seven iron? What'd you hit him with? A five iron. Oh. To the what? The, the lower extremities. You serious? What are you talking about? The lower extremities? I think I just kind of like a Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan type thing. Well, depending on where you hit, you could destroy his leg. It wasn't full force. Calm down. Well, even, you know, you are a girl after. It was 500 years ago. I'll bet you he still remembers that. Though. I don't think so. His limp reminds There have been other day. incidents. <laughs> we, uh, we're also taking names. How about this? We're doing that happy part of it. We're taking names for uh, the, the oh, show lemur that we've God, got. Thank God we have that lemur today to talk about. Lemmy the lemur. Somebody said, in honor of our manager, we can give the lemur an Italian-slash-Irish name and call him Bert Olucci. Oh, that's pretty good. That's funny. I don't want Robin to get the wrong idea that we're, like, making fun or anything, though. We're making fun of lemurs, not her. Um, Larry keeps coming up. Why is why Larry? He's definitely not a Larry, guys. I mean, look at this lemur. Does you're that already, say Larry to you? You're voting against Larry before it's even uh, official. Yeah. It's um, not exotic enough. Larry isn't? What do you think, Amy? Yeah. <laughs> well, think about it. Don't I, rush. I, Don't rush. <laughs> Leon? Give me a minute. Leon de Lemur. Oh, French. Yeah. Where are lemurs from? Like South America? Madagascar. I know they live oh, there. Oh, Madagascar. Oh, okay. That's where Zabumafu is from. Thanks. I'm going to go home. <laughs> you need both. Coming up next, it is noon, so we catch you up to speed on all the stories everyone is talking about everywhere. Oh, and don't forget, in the 1 o'clock hour, Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us, and we're going to try to diagnose what is going on with Elon Musk. And gold. Is <laughs> And gold. All coming up next on Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Giuliani's neck go. Uh, I don't remember that being as, as small. He's uh, he has put on, well. I mean, you think about it. when he was when he was known as the the nation's America's mayor, mayor America's yeah. mayor, whatever. It was right after the September 11th attacks. He was much skinnier. Has my neck shrunk in the time you've known me? Shrunk? Yeah, because his. Oh, you mean like your head is. 
No. Like, when you wear a tie like that, when you wear a suit and tie, uh-huh. your neck doesn't uh, doesn't flow over the and just do a straight line from your chin to your top of your tie. Okay. No, you're fine. I think you're okay. You'll be okay. No, don't put your neck back like that. Everybody knows that makes you look stupid. Oh, weird like that. We uh, have a new <laughs> podcast, by the way, that we're doing our pre and post show podcast where Shannon says the. Uh, yeah, this is a bad, bad idea. I as soon as I heard this thing, I regretted it immediately. We're going to tighten it up. Don't worry. Yeah, tighten we are. Up. Tighten up the language. <laughs> it took two seconds for her forehead to hit her desk in disappointment. Yes. Well, uh, I did not start this morning off on a confidence high. I'll tell you that right you now. You want to be disappointed in us as well? You can go check out the Gary and Shannon pre post show podcast. We threw the link up on Twitter so you can check it out. Hey, what else is going on? Time for what's happening. Well, Rose McGowan is weighing in on the Asia Argento story. Remember Asia Argento, the Italian actress, one of the first Me Too women that went off against Harvey Weinstein. Turns out that she has an accuser of her own. Oh, and he's 17. And she paid him off because when he was 17 and she was 37, she sexually assaulted him. Oh, there's another part of the story. She played his mother when he was seven years old in a movie. And refer to him as her long-lost son, and he would refer to her as Mama. Uh, Rose McGowan, also part of the Me Too movement versus Harvey Weinstein, has tweeted, None of us know the truth of the situation, and I'm sure more will be revealed. Be gentle. You know, I don't need to be gentle, Rose. Because she was 37 years old when she fed this 17-year-old boy alcohol then performed some things. He says when he was on his way home from that marina. Some I didn't want to get into it. When he was on his way home from that hotel room in Marina Del Rey in 2013, he felt disgusted and confused. I mean, this was a woman that was a mentor in his life, a mother figure. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing that she would suggest that, that there's, there is something in the situation that would... M- Make it understandable. Right, right. He's 17. I was saying that all this tells me is that this woman has zero idea of what sexual boundaries are and where they should be. That's why I said about, about, uh, what's her face, about Asia Argento. Uh, I wasn't making an excuse for her. I'm just explaining. She's, She's clearly got zero idea where sexual boundaries should be. But be gentle? No. If this, like you said earlier, if this was the other way around, if it was a, um, a male 37-year-old actor, and a 17-year-old girl. Oh, we'd be calling for his head. Um, Social media is going to play a big part in that case we've been telling you about out of Colorado, where Chris Watts is accused of killing his pregnant wife and their two daughters. And what they're doing is a former senior FBI profiler and a forensic behavioral expert says that they're going to compare the posts that – both Shanann Watts and Chris Watts have put up on social media to the interviews done with a family and friends who knew this this couple the best. And somebody, according to this profiler, somebody doesn't just wake up at 30, 35, 40 years old. Chris, I think, is 33. There would be indicators along the way about this guy being callous, about being detached, about wild personality swings and that sort of a thing that they may have been 
sort of glossed over by family. Well, and one of the things with this case is we haven't heard from anyone connected to him. Nobody has said, oh, that's my brother or that's my son or that's my friend or a co-worker. Like, nobody has said anything about this guy's character. So it does make you wonder, does he he just doesn't have anyone in his corner or is he a loner? We're going to find out. If you thought Jose Baez, the attorney, was uh, kind of a dirty guy, this should this should cement the deal. This is disgusting. This is the guy who defended Casey Anthony. Right. And Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez, he was able to get him acquitted of a 2012 double murder. And then just days later, Aaron Hernandez killed himself, hung himself in his um, in his prison cell because he was hooked up for other murders. Jose Baez has now written a book about Aaron Hernandez, Unnecessary Roughness Inside the Trial and Final Days of Aaron Hernandez. This guy is so sick. He uses the suicide note that Aaron Hernandez wrote to his little girl for for this publication. Like, how gross are you? Well, and, and the way he describes it. I just try my best to paint an accurate picture Screw of Screw you. <laughs> Jerk. You know, I'm not an Aaron Hernandez apologist, but when there's a little girl involved yeah. whose dad wrote to her before he killed himself, uh, that's not for you to make money off of. Uh, you may see this story trending as well today. A passenger who fell off a cruise ship near the coast of Croatia was in the water, she says, for 10 hours before she was rescued. Mm. A woman named Kay Longstaff, 46-year-old woman from Great Britain, fell off of a Norwegian cruise line ship about midnight on Saturday. Huh, wonder why. wonder what you're doing midnight Saturday on a cruise ship. Well, uh, reports say that alcohol and an argument with her partner may have played a role. Croatia's beautiful. Oh, hold on a second. An argument with a partner? Mm -hmm. But she's still maintaining that she fell off or she jumped off or she... was pushed off. We'll have to wait for the investigation to play out. Cannot wait. Uh, they said it's a miracle that she survived, but she's a pretty physically fit person. Some Croatian Coast Guard uh, members found her Sunday, took her to a hospital, and she's going to be fine. An argument with her partner. Hmm. Hmm. You don't want to get an argument on a cruise ship. Those always seem to end badly. <laughs> There's nowhere you can't get away from them. You cannot. They're constantly in your face. You'll see the Eagles in the news today. They have passed Michael Jackson for the best-selling album of all time. This is their 1976 compilation album, Greatest Hits. It's been certified 38 <laughs> times platinum. Isn't that crazy? They had four years from 71 to 75, their greatest hits, 71 to 75. And those four years are the songs that everybody knows and remembers about the Eagles. I had this CD. That's a, it's a compact disc, guys. It was a like a silver thing, smaller than what we taught you last week about the record. Yeah. Can it fit in a phone? No. Can oh. it fit in a I phone? I had this CD when I was in high school. Yeah. I think everybody did. Yeah. And... I, I remember classic rock being the thing to listen to totally. in college. But, uh, so it's now 38 times platinum, which means that sales and streams of the album have reached 38 million copies. Thriller was certified at 33 times platinum, which is pretty crazy. Not even the limit of the record-selling dominance. And it's, in addition to grabbing the number one spot, they also had the third best-selling album of all time, which was Hotel California, which is now 26-time platinum. So they're first and third on the list all time. Speaking of 
music. Take it to the limit. Yes. No. Well, take it easy. I don't think any one of those guys is going to show up at the VMAs today, but they're handing out the Moon Man for Artist of the Year, Song of the Year, Video of the Year. Jennifer Lopez getting the Vanguard Award winner. What does that mean? She's been a Vanguard for a very long time. Uh, Nicki Minaj, Panic at the Disco, Shawn Mendes, Ariana Grande, Travis Scott, Post Malone, Logic. Uh, Artist of the Year nominees include some of those people. Ariana Grande, Bruno Mars, Camila Cabello, Cardi B, Drake, Post Malone. They're all up for Artist of the Year. VMAs tonight at 9 o'clock on MTV. Coming up next. More of the Gary and Shannon Show. Gary and Shannon, on this Monday, August 20th, in Colorado today, we're expecting to get an official uh, arrest paperwork, uh, charges officially filed against a guy accused of killing his pregnant wife and two little girls and then hiding their bodies on the land owned by an oil company that he used to work for, Chris Watts. And that could shed some light. Those papers could shed some light on what police believe happened to the wife and kids. The Trump administration set to roll back the centerpiece of Obama's efforts to slow global warming. Plan would basically let states relax pollution rules for power plants that need upgrades. President right now is going to talk about immigration. Mike Pence is at the White House and he's at the podium, so we'll keep an ear on that and see if anything happens. story we told you about last week was about a series of synthetic marijuana overdoses in one park in New Haven, Connecticut. Why don't you just stick to the natural marijuana and stay away from the synthetic stuff? I don't even know if... Well, you'd have to talk to some of the people who were taking it if they believed that it was fake or if it was... I mean, the synthetic stuff or it was real or they thought it was going to be real or... I don't know. Does the synthetic marijuana act as marijuana or does it have an extra special something to it? Oh, I'm sorry. You're looking at me? Yeah. You didn't do the research I asked you to do over the I'm weekend? Sorry. I did have a long weekend, but it wasn't that long. <laughs> now, they, they said that there were more than 100 people who had overdoses in this one specific area on New Haven Green. Uh, most of the overdoses occurred Wednesday and Thursday. And when police were able to talk to these people, they identified one guy, a guy named John Parker, as one of the people who was dealing K2 is what they call it. He was found with 32 bags of K2. I wonder how, well, I don't know how much of this was sort of a uh, panic. Does that make sense? You start seeing people taking the same thing you are, and then you go, hey, why is that guy over there? I do feel bad. Yeah, one bad trip leads to another. Right. So if you've got 100 you know, synthetic marijuana overdoses. And People you're not were quite vomiting sure. all over this grassy knoll. And that's the other thing that's, uh, you know, um, catches on. You know, you start vomiting, then whoever's <laughs> around you is going to start feeling nauseous. He was charged with drug crimes. He was found being uh, found in possession of the bags of K2. And he was charged in connection with drug sales in the city earlier this year, so he is known, obviously. He got a two-year probation because he was selling the same drug on the same green last year or earlier this year. And imagine – So if- this is like a, a guy that goes to this grassy knoll and uh, 
So, Hawks is K, his bad batch is a K2. This sounds like the beginning episodes of Fear the Walking Dead because people who were in this park, people who were in this area at the same time, said that people were literally falling unconscious at the same time. Hmm. There were people who were dosing at the same time and then would a few minutes later fall unconscious. Others became nauseated and vomited, like you said. Some people who overdosed returned to the green and overdosed again. At that point, it's just Darwinism. You know, maybe you just set this guy free and let him deal his bad K2 and, and people just get what's coming to him. Uh, synthetic marijuana is called spice, among other things. It's usually plant material sprayed with chemicals. Oh, that sounds lovely. Uh, you know, ingesting weeds sprayed with chemicals. Uh, how? You know, have a shot of tequila. The um, I was we were talking about this story on Friday night with some friends, and uh, there was one guy who said, "Yeah, I, we used to." I, my mentality was, "Why would I? Why would I gather a bunch of people? Dozens of my closest friends were all going to buy one drug from the same dealer." And my mind this is going to strike you as probably unlikely, but I haven't purchased a lot of illegal drugs in my lifetime, and I can't imagine it being a group endeavor. Like, it's a one-on-one kind of thing, right? No. Maybe twosies on onesies where you and a friend go buy a bag of pot from somebody back in the old days. Or a tab um, of acid, but not like an entire not an entire sheet of acid. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe yeah, I think that if you're going to be going and doing acid with, like, a group of 15 people, you're all going to get it from the same guy. I suppose. I just in this hypothetical, right? I suppose (laughs) that that could happen. I just because there's always like one guy, right? You know, there's like one guy that everybody uses, and maybe you just get a group discount at that point. You're betting on maybe sure. Really, and how much of a discount would you say? Is it it maybe you just get a little extra? You know, like buy two get three. Okay, right. The guy who we they picked up here. Uh, was detained on about a quarter million dollar bail. One of his public defenders said there's no proof that linked any of the drugs that he had to the overdoses. And they're warning other people, especially in the New Haven, Connecticut area. Don't take drugs. Just that just because they have arrested this guy doesn't mean that they have all of the bad K2 off of the uh, off the market. And by the way, I would go out on a limb and say all of the K2 is bad. Hey, uh, we have got... A lemur situation going on in the show. Uh, we've acquired a show lemur, and it's this has really taken off because people that never even write to the show are writing in and want to get in on the, the lemur naming that's happening. One name that has come up that sounds pretty interesting is Rummel, R-U-M-E-L. It's a nice name that could be for somebody identifying as a a, a male lemur oh, or a female leader it's saying. it's lemur backwards oh that's clever isn't it it's just kind of like our brand of cleverness too you know what you can also spell when you rearrange the letters for lemur muller mm, like, i mean not all of them are not the right way what do you guys think about rummel rummel a good one it, uh, Carlton, I think, is still the what leader thing? right now, but Rummel yeah, but is Carlton like... is so firmly male. Oh, and, and we don't know. It's twenty eight. Rummel is that what you said? Uh, Rummel. It's lemur spelled backwards. Nick, mm. can his last name be Gumble? Because it kind of sounds like it would go together. No, Rummel Gumble. Nope. <clears throat> Nick, do us a Rummel. favor. 
print out that genderbred person sheet. Okay. And and start asking the lemur where the lemur identifies on some of those uh, some of those. Positions. The lemur's brand new. He doesn't know how he identifies. It's a they. Or it she. Seems like a pretty full grown lemur to me. Pretty comfortable with whatever, whatever makes his tail stand up. Maybe he's her tail. Maybe the he's tail. asexual. God, keep screwing that up. We'll do it's swamp a they, watch. right? Like, uh, a, like a they be? It depends baby. on uh, <gasps> depends on which pronoun. Should we call it they be? The lemur chooses. We will never call it they That's be. Not happening. All right, we'll come back and do swamp watch. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about, including some of the president's tweets this morning about Bob Mueller, about John Brennan, and the whole "truth isn't truth" meme that started yesterday. What Rudy Giuliani was trying to say. All coming up next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. In about an hour, the district attorney's office in Weld County, Colorado, has a deadline. They've got to file former charge, formal charges excuse me, against Chris Watts in the case of murder. The murder of his wife, his pregnant wife, and his two little girls, three- and four-year-old daughters. We're expecting more details to come out when those charges are filed, and we'll bring them to you here. The Asia Argento story is also um, big today. She was one of the women who accused Harvey Weinstein of uh, just out-and-out rape beyond any sort of awkward sexual encounter, but just that she said he raped her. She is now accused of paying off her own accuser, who was a 17-year-old former co-star of hers when she was 37 and he was 17. He alleged that uh, she abused him, uh, assaulted him, if you want to call it that, in a hotel room in Marina Del Rey, and that she paid him some $380,000 soon after uh, her allegations against Harvey Weinstein were made public. It is 1230, and at 1230 every day we dive into all things Washington. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. The president is speaking right now at the White House, talking about immigration, illegal immigration, talking about how America is strong because of our laws. We are listening in and we'll bring you those comments. But one headline that I kept seeing over and over this weekend was ICE arrests man driving his wife to the hospital in labor. Evil monsters! saw it everywhere. And I'm thinking, wow, they better be... They better be sure on this one. Because everyone was hanging their hat on the evil ice and, oh, my gosh, this guy, the woman's in labor and they, they pull him over. And he had a warrant for murder out of Mexico, a oh. warrant for his arrest for murder. Is that OK? Can we get that guy out of the country? Is that all right with y'all? She ended up uh, driving herself to the hospital. Bouncing baby boy, by the way. So congratulations to her. Be careful which stories you want to hang your hat on. I mean, ICE probably does not have a, a perfect track record when it comes to rounding up people. You know, there probably are stories of ICE going in and getting grandmas and things. 
Make sure you check your facts on your story before you hang your hat on it. By the way, the the wife says that this is a misunderstanding. Of course it is. It's, you know it's what not prisons him, are filled his, with? It's his brother. Yeah. Prison, it might not even be his brother. It's probably pr- the wrong Prisons guy. are filled with a bunch of misunderstandings. Sure they a are. bunch of people who say that that wasn't them. Um, that is the, the topic of the president, talking about Border Patrol agents. So we'll, again, check in and see if he says anything more about that case specifically. There was one story over the weekend about President Trump and the special counsel, or I, I should say uh, the general counsel, the White House's general counsel, Don McGahn. And the New York Times did this big, breathless piece about how Don McCann, uh, Don McGahn had been cooperating with Bob Mueller's team and had sat down for a series of interviews and had 30 hours of interviews with Don McGahn about potential collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. And there's a couple of things that, that came to my mind about it. if you've got the president's, if you've got the White House general counsel for 30 plus hours, and the president gives him the permission to do so, or at least doesn't claim executive privilege and prevent him from testifying. There's there's two ways to look at it. Number one, the president believes he's going to beat whatever comes out of a special counsel because he believes that he didn't do anything wrong. Or two, he is so fooled into thinking that he's going to beat special counsel that he allows the White House general counsel to speak to Bob Mueller and the investigative investigative team. But just because the White House counsel spoke for 30 hours doesn't mean it doesn't mean he flipped. It doesn't mean that he's afraid necessarily. He is a guy that would make sense that he would have a lot of information about what's been going on in the White House. So the just the idea that he spoke for 30 hours doesn't really mean a whole lot. President Trump today referred to lawyers working for Bob Mueller as thugs, accused them of trying to affect this year's election. Uh, Morning tweets, Trump called Mueller disgraced and discredited, said his team of prosecutors is a national disgrace in capitals. Now, that led to an appearance yesterday on Meet the Press by Rudy Giuliani. And he sat there with Chuck Todd and was talking about the possibility that Robert Mueller would eventually ask President Trump to testify in some capacity, whether it's emailed questions back and forth, whether it's a sit down interview, whether it would go so far as the special counsel issuing a subpoena, all of that sort of thing. These negotiations have been going on and Rudy Giuliani is the one who's been handling them for President Trump. Now, uh, in the context of the Don McGahn stuff, Giuliani said that Trump didn't raise executive privilege or attorney-client privilege even during those interviews because uh, his team believed that fully participating would be the fastest way to get this thing done. And the president's been saying this over and over again. He wants this thing over. The president, according to Rudy Giuliani, encouraged Don McGahn to testify. He's happy that McGahn testified, and he's quite secure that there's nothing in that testimony that's going to hurt the president. In that interview... That same interview, though, Chuck Todd was asking about, so does that mean that you are more open to having President Trump sit down with Robert Mueller and the investigators? I'm not going to be rushed into having him testify so that he gets trapped into perjury. And when you tell me that, you know, he should testify because he's going to tell the truth and he shouldn't worry. Well, that's so silly because it's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. He didn't have a, a conversation. Truth is about, truth. I, I don't mean to go like. I, no, I it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. I kind of um, 
I kind of can see the argument here. You know, you and I both spend four hours today here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You go home, your wife says, how was work? And in your truth, you're like, oh, my God, she was so annoying today. I don't know if she had extra (laughs) caffeine or what. I go home and my husband says, how was the show today? And I said, oh, it was great. It was smooth and a lot to talk about on a Monday. We both, those are both our truths, right? Very different, even though we're talking about the same four hours. Yeah, but those are opinions of, of what happened in the course of the four hours. Yeah. If, if a clown walked in here with no pants on. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. That's a, that's a truth, right? I mean, the clown was not wearing pants, obviously. Right. So, but when my wife asks me what happened, I go, a clown came in. And you, you, your answer to that same question is, there was a dude walking around with no pants on. Yeah. So we're both telling the truth about what happened, but, but we're not versions. giving the full. Yeah, right. we're not giving the full picture of it. And the the process of what we do in a in a just society is, we use courts, lawyers, depositions, juries. Right. We we use all of those things to come to some sort of an agreement about what the truth is. Right. Like, what was the man with no pants wearing? Well, he was wearing bright colors. Was, are, are, those consistent, are those consistent with clown outfits? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so that some outside party can say it appears that there was a clown who was not wearing pants that walked into the studio today. So that's the, so his argument, the truth isn't truth. I, I think I see what you're saying in terms of, you know, everybody brings their own version to, to yeah. whatever proceedings we're involved with. But that's why we have the proceedings. How did you come up with the hypothetical of a clown wearing no pants? I had some weird dreams last night, man. Yeah, it sounds like it. So I went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm -hmm. And the weirdest part is I didn't know I was going to go see that movie until about 6 o'clock last night. Saturday night into Sunday morning, I had a dream that Michelle Pfeiffer walked past me in the hallway here. Here at work. And Michelle Pfeiffer's in the movie. Did you know that Michelle Pfeiffer was in the movie? I... No, I mean yes, because we talked about it. But I didn't know I was going to go see the movie mm-hmm. until twelve, fourteen hours after I had the dream. In that, I gave my son a different like, "Hey, here's a bunch of movies that are out. You want to go watch any of these?" And he said, "No, I haven't seen Ant Man and the Wasp yet. Let's go see that." So, well, you already knew she was in the movie, so in your subconscious, it was already planted in there. But I had not. So it makes sense. I had not asked him if I was going to watch a movie. I had not asked him specifically to even watch. Okay, you know what? You are Nostradamus. Something like that. When we come back, a couple of things, including an update on the Paul Manafort jury deliberations, and Omarosa is not getting the reception that she was hoping for from a couple TV stations. Oh no! Tell you about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. The stories with Rebecca Jarvis, including Elon Musk. What's going on with this guy? Because uh, in all honesty, 
Some people are concerned that he might be losing his mind. What is going on with the Paul Manafort trial? Jurors there have entered their third day of deliberation. Stephanie Ramos joins us now with the very latest. Stephanie. Hey there. You're absolutely right. Uh, The jury in the Manafort bank fraud trial begins or actually is in its third day of deliberations. Prosecutors say Manafort hid millions of dollars from the IRS. If he's convicted, uh, Manafort could face life in prison. And it seems as though the jurors are are taking their time. This is a big deal. This is a big decision. And um, they're they're in their third day. And they've got a lot of work, of evidence uh, to go through, a mountain of dense documents, ton of exhibits, and um, they've got some heavy lifting to do, so it's going to take some time, it seems as though. The questions that came out on Friday dealt with reasonable doubt. Um, can you explain that? I mean, could, don't have to explain reasonable doubt. That should be pretty easy. But I, but the process of what it is that they're looking for, is there any insight we can gain from those questions? Um, it, it's, so, it's unclear, you know, at this point. It's it, you know, quick verdicts often mean convictions, and the fact that um, we're in in the third day of this, uh, it, it seems as though that the jury is again taking their time. This is a very high-profile case. It, it's hard to 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 guess which direction they're they're going in at this point. Um, they it's it's been known before that if a jury decides too quickly, they they've rushed judgment. So. It, from at this point, all we can gather is that they're taking their time and going through every every piece of evidence that they may have. Now, here's the wild card: is you know, have any of them been exposed to uh, the TV or, or papers, newspapers, or have they heard uh, the president uh, speak about the case recently, where the the president just a few days ago called said that Manafort was a good guy and that this was all sad. So all of that uh, may play a part in all of this, but we can only hope that this is an unbiased panel. All right, Stephanie, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll keep an eye on this. Thanks for having me. Manafort, of course, faces 18 counts of tax and bank-related fraud, 305 years, I think, in prison. Side note to all of that is the former lawyer for the president, this Michael Cohen guy who just seemed dirty from the beginning, he is now being investigated uh, over more than $20 million in loans to taxi companies that were owned by him and his family. So there could be some problems there as well. Brett Kavanaugh is in the news today writing apparently in an explicit 1998 memo that he was strongly opposed to giving then-President Clinton any break in the independent counsel's questioning about his relationship with Monica Lewinsky. Uh, in the memo, Kavanaugh, at the time he was associate counsel for the independent counsel, Ken Starr, Uh, Now, of course, President Trump's nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court. But he laid out several proposed questions in this memo that would not give Clinton any wiggle room. I'm not going to I'm not going to read the question. (laughs) Let's just say that it was very specific about the cigar and where it went. Mm -hmm. Just bizarre. Uh, The Omarosa story, it appears finally to have been losing some steam over the weekend. It was overshadowed by a bunch of other stuff. And now, page six from the New York Post, this gossip column, is referring to sort of a a less than nice welcome that she has been receiving from CNN. That she was scheduled to appear on a couple of places, including State of the Union with Jake Tapper, uh, Don Lemon show, but canceled the appearance and part of it is because cnn was also reportedly shopping around for commentators who would trash talk omarosa 
to at least push back on some of the BS that she's been talking about for uh, for the last few days just to sell her book. So, all right. Do you believe her accounts, or do you think she fabricated things? I, I think based on the recordings that we've heard where she said things were going to be just explosive, mm-hmm. that, it, that it, she's just at the very least making them sound worse than they are. When we hear the final tapes, it's not like anything has been a – nothing's been surprising. What do you think about the name Lily for the lemur? A couple people have suggested Lily. I have a friend whose dog's name is Lily. Oh, okay. That's out. Yeah. I like that name, though. It's a solid name. It is. It is. Okay. But not if it's a boy. But we don't know. No. Amy, why you got to put him in a box mm. like that? Yeah. It in a box. Why they, you got to put it in they, a box? In a why box. The lemur. The why lemur. Why do you have to put the lemur in the a box? The baby – no. How old is this lemur? Check the tag. Ask I mean, him. Is, Her. Is, All it says is echo in China. Uh, does say that. Is that a number? Echo or echo? Echo. Like echo. made. Spanish. Oh. You guys. Oh. Spanish language <laughs> lemur. Rebecca Jarvis will join us when we come back. We'll ask her. To the Gary and Shannon show. Speaking of hoops, my daughter was told, it's funny, the 16-year-olds and the stories they tell about how to pass your driver's test, uh-huh. she was told to wear big hoop earrings and to keep your hair back so that when you check the mirrors every two or three minutes, no matter where you are, you always check the mirrors, always check the mirrors, that they can hear your head moving back and forth because of your big hoop earrings. Wow. That's like one of those tips to mark C on all the multiple choice questions. <laughs> right. And you'll get a 75%. Uh, well, uh, a bunch of stuff that's going on today that we've told you about. In fact, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to rejoin this story about the, the Watts murders in Colorado, where one guy is accused of killing his pregnant wife and two little girls and hiding their bodies. And then doing interviews hours after he did that, interviews, oh, please come back, please come back. Alex Stone's going to join us at the bottom of the hour with more on that story. It is 1 o'clock, which means it's Rebecca Jarvis time. It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio. Rebecca, good afternoon, dear. Oh, no, it's last oh come on. Where are your that's manners? my fault. I didn't push the button. Rebecca, try it again. Take two and action. Hi, guys. Hey, How are you? How are you? Excellent. Well, we were talking about uh, last week about Elon Musk and this interview he did with the Times. And he just seemed like he was a mess. And it showed on Wall Street. Yeah, that's right. So now we have this question whether or not Musk could face a range of penalties from the SEC uh, because of this tweet. So we talked about the tweet last week. We talked about what Uh, what he followed it up with. So ultimately, he has this tweet that says funding secured. Then it turns out that he's had lots of conversations with the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, but the words funding secured haven't, there's been no signature on the dotted line. But he says he left this meeting with no question that the funding had been secured. But that doesn't really live up to the the level of secured funding that uh, people would expect 
if, if you say funding is secured, then that means there's actual funding lined up. There's a signature on the dotted line. Yes, we, you've got the money. So now there's a question. What happens? Plus, you know, Elon Musk has, has now talked to the New York Times since then. Um, he did this interview. Uh, there's the open letter from Ariana Huffington telling him he needs to get more sleep. This is, uh, this is becoming quite a soap opera. Well, I want to say that the, the, I think Elon Musk attention, the spotlight was on him ever since the Thai cave rescue. If you remember, he, yes. he, he had a pretty That's derogatory right. comment against one of the British divers who was involved in that. And that was the first real indication that he saw the cracks. Well, yeah, along <laughs> with, you know, this, the brilliance that this guy obviously harbors in his brain, it started, something started to take a toll on him. And right. and my question is, is it better for him to take a break and just say, listen, I'm not doing anything for three months or two months or whatever it is? Or is it better for him to keep his nose to the grindstone and continue to push the company, even if that comes with these random tweets that are getting him in trouble? I mean, I think that's, that is a, a such a tough call because, of course, there are going to be people in both camps who are either long or short the company of Tesla, I think there's going to be a lot of people who would probably say, you know what, just take a break from the Twitter. Focus on the big stuff that's in front of you. Focus on making sure that your cars are coming off the line, that you're getting them to customers on time, and that you're solving any issues on the operations side. And I mean, his, his comments to the New York Times is that he's working around the clock every single day to figure out that part of the whole thing, to figure out how to make sure that his business is running smoothly and that what's happening on the business is happening. I, I, you know, I think, to me, what I find fascinating about this story, in addition to all of the layers we've talked about, is this question of how much as, a, as, an, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a CEO, you are always going to be tasked with creating the big vision statement, making people believe in what you believe. And we've seen now on a handful of different occasions where over-promising is a big issue, especially if you under-deliver and you're a public company, your stock is going to feel it. But, but it also is a question of, uh, you know, the, the right behavior set, ethically, morally, and legally, how much can you really, in that role, promise, or how much of that vision can you craft and still have people be okay with it if you fall short? Well, because it's like it, outright lying versus having the vision. It's like uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Well, I was thinking about. I mean, look, I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily align the two stories uh, because, in in you know, in one case. We, we now have a DOJ investigation. Right. <laughs> it's criminal. Um, and that's not happening. In but in case. terms of like selling her company and, yeah. and, and having that huge vision statement. Yeah. But I think it just raises so many questions. Like this moment in time in particular, because we're so, we've honed in so heavily on the founder, the visionary. And because we are constantly in the media, in social media, as people, we are constantly celebrating these visionaries who create and craft the big picture. And to what extent are we holding all of these individuals responsible for fulfilling 
that big picture mission and what is what is going too far. Now, of course, there's there's legally plenty of arguments about what's going too far. The SEC can step in and say, this legally is outside of the bounds. Now, one of the, the questions with the Elon Musk that the SEC is going to be looking at is, was he purposefully deceptive? Purposely deceptive. Because if you're uh, and that's a really hard thing, by the way, to, to, prove. to prove, to prove that somebody is not just trying to build the big vision, but that they're purposely trying to mislead people. Marianne, that's a lot harder to do. Marianne wrote to us on Twitter uh, at Gary and Shannon that Elon has also been dating Amber Heard. And uh, <laughs> oh. with the news. Well, that's that- so useful. Well, with the news that we heard about Amber Heard and the end of her relationship with Johnny Depp, uh, to date her may be showing some signs of bad judgment. Well, the the relationship, I I try not to go down that path with people in general. True, true. That's a smart, smart move. Um, But but at the same time, like, yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, Rebecca, can you hang on? I want to talk to you about PepsiCo. It's a big... Uh, big money deal there, and Nike. Yeah, big stuff. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Rebecca Jarvis, by the way, you are uh, on Twitter right now where she's broadcasting. Broadcasting? Tweetcasting, if you want to call That's it that. That's a beautiful color on you. At Rebecca Jarvis. Uh, you can see her and see her great, amazing. Streaming might be a word. That That's what the kids say these days, right? Streaming? Uh, the live view inside her office while she's talking to uh, us. My mother texted me. Oh, hi. Uh, she's weighing in on the lemur naming debate. Oh, she says, I was going to suggest Lily. And then she says, oh, and Lydia is a common female name in Madagascar. They do not have apes or monkeys there. Thus, that's where they survive in Madagascar. Just saying. Why does my mother have such knowledge on the lemur situation she's in Madagascar? Seen, she's probably seen the movies. Oh. Gary Channel will continue with Rebecca, Rebecca Jarvis in just a moment. So give me the green light. Let's go. Gary Shannon. A couple of big stories we've been telling you about today. Asia Argento is one of the big names from the Harvey Weinstein case. She accused Harvey Weinstein of rape as uh, part of the hashtag MeToo beginnings. And now we find out that she also paid off her own accuser, a 17-year-old boy who was a former co-star of hers, that he alleges um, in some secret documents had sexually assaulted him. She had sexually assaulted him in a hotel room in Marina Del Rey. Uh, The Paul Manafort trial as well. They're now day three of their deliberations. Looks like they're going to take it all the way through the end of the day. I mean, their court day is usually over soon, so we may hear that they're going to end for the day and go back tomorrow. Well, we're talking to Rebecca Jarvis for Market Mondays, and Pepsi has made quite the purchase, Rebecca. $3.2 $3.2 billion to buy SodaStream, and it's a, a really interesting purchase because Pepsi has been moving in this direction of trying to create healthier products, ways for their customer um, to have a healthier lifestyle because that's what so many of customers are after. So now they've bought one of the world's top sparkling water brands uh, for $3.2 billion dollars. Indra Nui, the CEO of the company, who will be stepping down in October, overseeing this deal. And she has made a a huge amount of moves in her tenure as CEO towards healthier offerings. It's important to the company's future. Consumers are increasingly paying attention to health. It's also an interesting play here because 
the, the not only is it part of sort of the overall Pepsi strategy towards these healthier alternatives like oatmeal or hummus or smoothies, those are other acquisitions the company has done, but it's also a way of reaching consumers in their home. As more and more consumers shop online, as more and more grocery shopping trends online, and, and I saw a statistic today that 70% of online groceries or 70% of groceries by 2025 will be purchased online. Wow. 70% of consumers are going to be shopping online for their groceries. That's a huge number. So this is another way where Pepsi can then reach customers in their home versus in a store and, and be able to sell them things that go along with that soda stream in their home as opposed to having to go to the store for it. And this is she's got to be one of the most successful large company CEOs we've seen in a while, because I saw this number that sales grew 80 percent in the 12 years that she's been the head of PepsiCo. That's right. She's been incredibly successful and she's overseen PepsiCo at a time of massive change. You have two basically two big things, two big themes that have been taking place under her tenure. First of all, consumer tastes are changing. We're moving more healthy. We're moving away from sugary beverages. We're moving away from, uh, you know, high caloric snacks towards more healthy snacks in quotation marks and towards water and other beverages. Simultaneously with that, the way that we're shopping is also changing. Fewer people are going to grocery stores, more people are shopping online, and there are more ways that the the, the customer is, is spending money on groceries. And for a business like PepsiCo, it's so important to, to be able to figure out both how to manage from a consumer taste standpoint, but also from a distribution standpoint. Talk to us about this, um, about Nike shares that are going up. They're trying to, I guess, take some market share from Adidas. Yeah, so we, uh, I think that there was a, a record high today in that stock price, up 3%, and they got an upgrade from Susquehanna Financial. Now Nike has figured out uh, how to steal share away from Adidas, from Foot Locker. They've been able to manage both scale, as in they've gotten bigger, but also scarcity, because in the sneaker category, it's so important to have that sort of it shoe that people want, and one of the reasons that people like a sneaker is because it's harder to come by. So shoes like the Air Max 270 for running, they've been selling out after launches at some stores. That's good for the brand because you want that sort of balance between getting it, them in a lot of people's hands, but also having a feeling of like, oh, I need these. I need to get them now because if I don't, I might not be able to get my hands on them. They've also figured out and, and are moving more strongly into women's athleisure. So smart because that is so much money. Totally agree. So much money as not only are, are people wearing, you know, I, I wear athleisure and we talked, we've talked about this before, right, Shannon? Yeah. Like wearing athleisure on the weekend. How far does it go? Do you wear it to work? We're not quite at the work stage yet. <laughs> I hope I never am. Like if I wasn't at the work stage when I was 25, then I, I don't want to ever be in that lane. Thank you both for that, by the way. <laughs> I, I admit I do on the weekend if I work out and then run errands, I'm going to run errands in whatever I was wearing to the gym. And sometimes I go run errands prior to the gym because I know that if I'm if I'm going to go to the gym, I have to wear the workout clothes during the day. Otherwise, I won't eventually go to the gym. Smart. So I do that too. <laughs> 
And you're more motivated once you find something that you like and you're going to buy, you say to yourself, well, since I bought it, I might as well go to the gym. Completely. I Look, I, this might sound crazy, but I remember I had not been going to the gym for a while, and then I got back into it, and I realized that if I had something to wear where I felt a little bit better about myself, <laughs> so true. I was more likely to go. It's true. <laughs> that's that's, that's proven research. Chicks, man. Oh, so I didn't say that, did I? Hey, uh, tell us what's going on in the uh, in the podcast, the No Limits podcast. Well, we have a great episode coming up this week uh, for people who are interested in creating um, an acting career for themselves. If you are interested in being an actor, you will want to listen to this podcast. We have Emily Mortimer. She's the new Mary Poppins. She's been in a ton of films. Love her. And she talks all about navigating through Hollywood and what that's really about, Um it's a fun conversation. She also has her own production company, so she's figured out how to both create the films as well as star in them. So, And as always, we'll throw a link up on the website so that people can go to your podcast. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Have, Have a good a week. week. Take care. Uh, when we come back, an update on the case out of Colorado, the Watts family, the pregnant wife and the two little girls who were murdered by the husband slash father. Uh, we're going to get an update from Alex Stone when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. John and Ken, of course, coming up at the top of the hour. One of the stories that we've been telling you about is that uh, John Brennan, the former director of the CIA, had threatened to file a lawsuit against uh, the president after President Trump revoked his security clearance. Uh, The president said, I have absolutely no problem with that. Bring it on. It was basically what he wrote in a tweet today, because then all of John Brennan's dirty laundry is going to have to be aired once they take him to court. So be quite a quite a fight if that happens. Story we've been following is out of Colorado, Frederick, Colorado, outside of Denver, man who killed his wife and two little girls. Charges were expected today. Alex Stone joins us now with the very latest. Oh, we are. Oh, I thought you... oh there he is. Oh, my bad. Or Blake's bad. Somebody's bad. Alex, what's going on? <laughs> we have an hour before the deadline, right, in terms of charges? Yeah, they've got a file uh, in about an hour from now, and uh, they've called a news conference for an hour and a half, so we know that uh, these charges are likely going to be filed. I mean, they're going to file these charges. There's no question about it. There is a suspect who, it appears, has confessed, led the the police, led investigators to the, the bodies of his family, and there would be no reason, really, for them not to file. Right now, he's being held on three counts of first-degree murder, three counts of tampering with a deceased body, but they actually have to file the official charges. And uh, that's probably being done, it appears, right now. And then in a little under an hour and a half, they'll make the official announcement and then move forward. He's due in court already tomorrow to hear the charges that they have not yet filed against him. So everything is pointing toward they will make that deadline and do it this afternoon. What do we know about the relationship between this man and his wife? Uh, we, we've talked about it a little bit on the show. Maybe she had some questions of infidelity. 
Yeah, we know that that, that apparently, according to, to friends and family members, was something that, uh, that they had dealt with in their lives, whether it had actually happened or not, uh, that there were questions about it in their relationship. Uh, they had filed for bankruptcy several years ago. They had had financial problems for a while. But what allegedly led to this, nobody knows. Police say they don't really know a motive right now either. The belief is that uh, Shannon Watts got home uh, late Sunday night, early Monday morning last week from a, a business trip. A, a co-worker dropped her off, confirms that, yes, they got home very early in the morning on Monday. Uh, from the beginning, Chris Watts was saying yes that his wife came home, that when they got home, they got into what he called an emotional conversation. This was back when he was claiming he had nothing to do with it. Uh, and then he said he went to bed, woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning, went to work at 545, and never saw his family again. The belief is that they got into some kind of an argument over something, and then he killed Shannon Watson at some point, killed their uh, four-year-old daughter and three-year-old daughter, and then transported their bodies out to the field where they were found in the oil tanks and in the, the shallow grave. But what made him allegedly. So angry that, that he carried this out. Police say they don't know yet. Uh, I know that there's not a fourth murder charge for the unborn child, but what is the law in Colorado when it comes to that? They can charge in Colorado, and they may very well charge uh, once we see what the, what the charges are. And in many states, it's uh, oftentimes a, a call the prosecutors make if they're going to go down that road or not. If he is found guilty on whatever he ends up being charged with, he's probably going to get life in prison, uh, no matter what, being his, his two daughters and his wife. Prosecutors may decide that they don't even want to go down that road of trying to, to prove it to a jury that they've got enough just based on the, the three murder counts, but that will be up to prosecutors if they decide to include that. In California, sometimes it's included, sometimes it's not, just based on what prosecutors need and, and what they're looking for. There was an FBI investigator interviewed about this case, and she said something to the effect of, you don't wake up at 33 years old and kill your wife and kids without there being some some sort of red flags in your past. I'm assuming they're combing through all of his correspondences and, and things to figure out who they're dealing with here. They're looking through everything as they try to put that motive together. And uh, police likely have some idea of what direction they're going when it comes to a motive. But officially and in court documents, everything that we've been able to get our hands on, uh, they don't point to a motive, but they haven't been able to, to really confirm what it is. Was there... You know, something when she got home at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning last Monday morning, was he angry about that she had been on the road? Was he angry thinking that, you know, that she may have been doing something on the road? Was it financial where he was uh, steaming about something when she got home? Was he not happy about watching the kids? Was he involved with somebody else? They don't know. They're going down all of those roads. Uh, the the autopsy is trying to figure out, and this is going to be difficult, but the time of death, being that they found the bodies so much later than they were killed, that that's going to be difficult. And uh, for the little girls inside of, of oil, inside the oil drums, uh, but trying to figure out were the, the children killed before their mother, or was the mother killed in a fit of anger, and then he thought, uh-oh, and panicked and had to do something, and then killed the children. They believe everybody was strangled, and his attorneys have asked the judge to order the, the coroner 
to try to get DNA off of their necks and also uh, underneath their fingernails. Why, we don't know which direction his attorneys are looking at going, if they're now going to claim that he didn't do it or that somebody else was involved. The judge said no, though, saying that uh, he's not going to order the coroner how to do his job, that if the coroner wants to take DNA, which the coroner probably will, off of the neck and under the fingernails, then the coroner can do that, uh, but that the judge isn't going to order it. So his attorneys, Watt's attorneys, Chris Watt's attorneys, they're hoping that that DNA is there for some reason, for whatever argument they may try to make down the road, we don't know yet what that argument's going to be. Yeah, I'm assuming that they asked for the DNA swabs to be taken because there is no DNA on the necks of the little girls and the wife. And that way they can say his DNA wasn't found if this thing went to trial. Yeah, maybe. And the belief, at least among the experts who have filed paperwork with the, the defense, they say that even with the bodies in the, the oil, that that DNA should still exist just because of the makeup of oil, that it would almost preserve that DNA. So that if there was DNA, that it would be there. They may make that claim that if there's no DNA, then how can you pin it on this guy? But all indications are that, that he confessed to this, that he brought the, the investigators to the bodies. That's going to be hard to turn around and say, I I had nothing to do with it if he can bring them to the bodies. But we don't know what the argument's going to be. We don't know what kind of plea he's going to have. Assuming these charges are filed the next hour, next uh, 45 minutes or so, that uh, he will be due in court tomorrow. And we'll see what he has to say. The last time he was seen, he was doing public interviews last Monday and Tuesday, saying whoever took my kids, release them, and I want to see my family again, only to apparently confess hours later and and then was arrested and now is being held on these uh, these murder counts expected to be charged. Right. Alex, thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone with the latest on this case out of Colorado. Again, Chris Watts accused of killing his pregnant wife and two little girls. One of the things that we were watching for today, and I don't know if this will come out as these charges get filed, but a judge was going to decide uh, to open uh, or not a sealed arrest warrant affidavit that would explain why police arrested him would get more into the confession possibly and then also the the um, actual method of the murders so and maybe even the timing because I had run on this the other day they were saying that these little girls were in these oil tanks based on their original um, investigation for us for days and to me that opened the possibility although it's just speculation that the kids would have been murdered first. And mom comes home and finds out that the kids were I murdered. just feel like if that was the case, he would have a lot of defensive wounds on his face from the uh, ridiculous attack that she would put him through upon learning that her little girls were dead. If she had a chance. If she had a chance, right. Uh, coming up next, some terror on the greens to tell you about. We've got a, a finger that gets bitten off. We've got a, a golf club into a crowd. And a <laughs> mugshot of the day. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. KMI. Gary and Shannon. Two people familiar with the federal investigation of Michael Cohen say prosecutors are preparing criminal charges against against him that could be brought before the end of the month. Of course, Cohen is uh, Donald Trump's former lawyer. It looks like bank fraud, uh, other charges in connection to his dirty taxi money. Is there a certain income threshold where 
it's just a given that you've defrauded banks yes. and and Uncle Sam? Yes. What is that? What would you say? I what don't know. Enough to know. Net worth $50 million, maybe $100 million. I don't think it's worth that much. I don't even think you need much. to go that far. Gross. All right. Um, let's end on these two good stories here. This is a couple of good ones. 47-year-old guy in Plymouth, Massachusetts, arrested and charged with mayhem. Mm. You know, mayhem. When we think of mayhem, we usually think of people running wild in the streets. No, it's the cutting off of extremities. Yeah. It's very. You okay? Yeah. Uh, You're making scissor figure. I love this. (laughs) What? (laughs) I said, what are you doing? And you held your hand closer to the microphone (laughs) like this. What do you mean, you guys? You can't see what I'm doing? Oh, I'm making scissor fingers with my scissors. Here, let me hold it closer. Shut up. Tell me the story. (laughs) He's charged with uh, (laughs) mayhem after he bit off another golfer's finger. Oh, you can't do that. That reminds me of you at a Little League game. The Southers Marsh Golf Club in Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts. Somebody called 911, said a couple of guys had gotten into a fight, and one person bit off the other's finger. And they discovered when the firefighters got there that the victim had his finger bitten off to his knuckle. It's not immediately clear, according to WCVB5, not immediately clear if alcohol may have played a role in the incident. Mm. Duh. Yeah. Come on. They said that, uh, by the way, the last line of the script is, Southern's Marsh Golf Club is routinely rated as one of the best value public golf courses in all of New England. Well, in Oregon on Friday, some people were taking in uh, some golf. And it was at the 15th hole when Kevin Stadler slammed his seven iron on the ground in anger. This is at a web.com tour event. The club hits his foot, breaks, and flies into the crowd, hits a spectator in the head. There was apparently a lot of... Of blood happening. A lot of blood. One of the tour officials said this was a very freakish accident. And in fact, Kevin Stadler had a hard time finishing the round. You can imagine if you did something stupid like this. Right. I mean, smacking your club in anger. And then you realize that it hit that guy in the head. Yeah. It was sitting there watching. You. And the description of it, it could have been worse. Because one of the guys that was playing with him wrote in a in a Facebook post. He said, in a fit of anger... Kevin slammed his club against the ground and the side of and the side of his foot, which caused the club to break about six inches from the bottom. And I had my head down, but the club head flew behind me and hit a spectator to my right. It's been a while since I've seen so much blood, is what he said. If that's true, I mean, the the head of the club is going to be the heavier part. But if there's six inches of the golf club shaft still attached to that, oh yeah, that could oh that yeah, that could go into somebody. Absolutely. I mean, if it if it does the rot- rotates right. The group stayed with this guy, with the fan, for about 15 minutes until medical help got there. And then he and the other player, there were three of them together, tried to help this guy focus on the round, especially without his seven iron because he's going to have some hard, long irons to hit there. Uh, but he says, we did our best to keep his spirits up. This was not done on purpose. We were astounded at the way the club was directed, but it shows you just how dangerous it is to throw or break, uh, break clubs. 
each of us in the group learned something today, which you should have learned when you were in high school golf. All right, I've got a mug shot of the day courtesy of Nick Viverka. And it's not unlike looking into the future. Of? Well, I'll let you make the call. A topless 81-year-old woman was <laughs> drinking from the spout of a box of Franzia when Florida police arrested her for disorderly intoxication. Mary Stewart, cops say, was sitting in a bench in view of the public when they approached her around 7.40 a.m. Oh, wow. She was on the property of a hospital in St. Petersburg. She had her breasts completely exposed. The security and nursing staff were witnessing this. She held the box of wine over her head and began to drink from the spout. Officers tried to take the wine away, and she began intentionally uh, shaking the box towards the deputies in an attempt to splash them with the pink liquid. (laughs) So I still don't get it. Who's this supposed to be? Are you crying? Disorderly. Did you see the picture? Not yet. Oh, (laughs) Did you guys put up. this up on the website? <clears throat> awesome. So what is she charged with? Uh, disorderly intoxication. That's it, I guess. She has no priors. She has no priors. I find that hard to believe. What are you talking about? One bad morning does not a woman make. Hold on. A bad morning would have been sitting on a bench drinking a box of wine. No. I would argue that that is not a bad morning at 7 40 in the morning okay it's a little early but maybe she had a flight like 10 maybe she had a flight okay is there a limit to when you'll start your first glass of champagne in the airport uh um i'd say probably eight eight a.m and the flight's not till two easy are we going to judge this week? Hey, should we fin- figure out before we go the name of that uh, lemur? Uh, we'll have to announce it in the morning because I think there's you still have some arguments to go through. Okay. Uh, and plus, you got to wrestle that thing away from Nick. Nick is keeps petting the lemur yeah. uh, in a a way that we're not entirely comfortable with, but you can't look away when is, he's. Is the lemur wearing? Oh boy, sunglasses now. Oh boy. Okay. All right. Well, we apologize for whatever's about to happen to that lemur. Um, all right. Hashtag lemur two, Nick, by the way. John and Ken coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Well, that's all the time we have. Join us next time on Gary and Shannon.